is not seen, Ashrathat, which is not heard, Bhavat, from a thing, Na, does not, Bhavaha, mental agitation, Upajayate, arise, Asamprayunjataha, for one who is not using pranan, the senses, shamyati becomes pacified, stimitam checked, manaha the mind. So I'm going to go back before I read this translation to text 21, 22, then this one. Text 21. <clears throat> what difference is there between ordinary worms and persons who try to enjoy this material body <laughs> composed of skin, flesh, blood, muscle, fat, marrow, bone, stool, urine, and pus? Text 22. Yet, even one who theoretically understands the actual nature of the body should never associate with women or with men attached to women after all the contact of the senses with their objects inevitably agitates the mind. Text 23. Because the mind is not disturbed by that which is neither seen nor heard the mind of a person who restricts the material senses will automatically be checked in its material activities and become pacified purport. It may be argued that even while closing one's eyes, while dreaming, or while living in a solitary place, one may remember or contemplate sense gratification. Such an experience, however, is due to previous sense gratification that one repeatedly saw and heard about. When one restricts the senses, 
from their objects, especially from intimate contact with women, the mind's material propensity will slacken. And, like a fire, without fuel, eventually die. <coughs> this is Krishna speaking <coughs> to Uddhava. So we can uh, take it as transcendental knowledge, even though we know there's limits to simply restraining the senses from sense objects. Um, many, many places, I'm sure you've noticed, I've noticed, um, there's emphasis upon uh, austerities and penances for devotees. You know, so many examples, but you, the Lord appears before a devotee. You pleased me very much by your penance and austerities. I mean, you know, Vasudeva and Devaki, for example, or Dhruva. Or for, the Lord appears before such persons, saying at the very beginning, you pleased me very much by your austerities and penances. Now, it's not just austerities and penances, obviously, because that would mean tapasvis that do really extreme things. Um, that pleases the Lord, just be a tapasvi. One of the places um, I visited, they have a Govinda's restaurant. And, and outside the Govinda's restaurant, there's a little reading room. Of course, there's Prabhupada's books on the shelf, but on the table, you know, what's in our Western culture, it's called the coffee table. Little table about knee height, sitting in a chair or bench, couch. There was a picture book. So I looked through the picture book and one of the things that was showing was what tapasvis do. And I, you know, pretty shocked. There's, um, in the middle of the summer, uh, tapasvi, with three rings of fire surrounding his body, lying down, or, no, excuse me, sitting in a, you know, intense yoga posture, enduring, torturing his senses. Then flip the page, the next tapasvi was a yogi lying on a bed of cactus, you know, with, with cactus spikes that are like that big. That was, you know, Prabhu, why are you doing that? <laughs> and then the next picture was a yogi at Gangotri with his beard floating, and all around is ice, and it's, it's not just cold, it's freezing, freezing. And just, you know, floating there, enduring, <coughs> severe. And, you know, even the young gopi girls during the month of Magh, 
December, January. It's cold in Vrindavan at night. Right in under Vrindavan? It's cold in Vrindavan at night in the winter. I mean, it's cold. It's, it's okay during the day, but it, at night it's really cold. So for the whole month, before the sun rises, that means it's as cold as you can get. They would bathe in the river Jamuna, offering worship to goddess Katyayani to get Krishna as their husband. And Krishna was very pleased. So he became their husband. There's a long description of how that happened in Rupa Goswami's writings. So Krishna's pleased. But it's not, you know, austerities in, in this whole description of the, the Dhruva pastime. I've been immersed in the Dhruva pastime for some some while. In the, the, the very first chapter of that Dhruva section, chapter 8, text 8, there's a list of the benefits of uh, hearing the pastime of Dhruva, and one of them is the benefits, specifically, the benefits of austerities in executing devotional service to reach the goal of devotional service. So, gosh, does that mean we're supposed to do lying on a bed of cactus or do what Dhruva did? Or, you know, what does it mean? What does it mean in practical terms? Like, I'm not eligible for... It doesn't mean that extreme. It's a, it's a principle. <clears throat> and so it's a principle that enhances, it augments, it, it, it facilitates bhakti. And though we, take, we accept those things and that facilitate bhakti, and we reject those things that inhibit bhakti. It's not bhakti in itself. It's not the austerity and penance that in itself that pleases Krishna. We could say it like six times. It's, that's not what pleases Krishna. So what's pleasing to Krishna? What, why is he, you pleased me very much by your austerities and penances? It's the, it's the bhakti. It's the dedication to him and to assist the acceptance of things that are it, it, the intention is not simply sense deprivation. The intention is directing the mind and senses towards Krishna. And one of the things that we need to do in order to direct the mind and senses toward Krishna is restrict the mind and senses from sense gratification. Then we can direct the mind and senses towards Krishna, pleasing Krishna the mind and the senses. And the, the, gee, that's what bhakti is. In the last verse of chapter 6, Bhagavad Gita, where Krishna is describing the uttama form of yoga, it's, it's bhakti, and it has two parts. What the body does and what the mind does. The Madgate Nantaratmana, 
what the mind does is antara atman absorbed in the personality of Godhead and bhajate yomam bhaj the root word the datu of bhajate is engaging the senses and objects of the senses in practical activity that's engaging not just restraining but if you're going to engage then you have to be ready to restrain from sense gratification because if you don't restrain the senses from sense gratification guess what that's where they go so there's the do's and the do nots anu, anu sankalpa we, we accept things that are favorable reject things unfavorable and that's the, the those are angas of surrender sharanagati restrict unfavorable accept favorable so one can emphasize the restricting from the unfavorable it it's that's not the essence engaging in the favorable that's not the essence it's the submission to the personality godhead that's the essence and it has angas so here krishna speaking the, there's emphasis on the restricting there could be another emphasis on extending but the essence is submission even the madgatain antara the mind it's not just it's not a mechanical it's a it's a devotional submission that's that that bhaj that bhakti has the power to not only curb the mind because that's the language that's used check the tendencies that means the material tendencies of the mind by restriction but we know restriction isn't sufficient because wait a while and unless there's a a greater happiness within the centers are going to go to the other kind the material happiness so what's the solution it's not just restriction the the and what's the goal of submission it's connect with krishna's happy so bhakti we know this from uh, canto 3 chapter 25 with kapila's teachings bhakti in and of itself without any extra endeavor has the power to dissolve the subtle body the material subtle body bhakti has the power that's that's powerful and nothing what else has the power to do that i did a little research I like to research. And uh Prabhupada writes later in in canto 4 that both listen carefully both the Brahmavadi and the Buddhist it's in his purport they also become free from the subtle body. 
But because shelter, because the real happiness of the soul is not fulfilled, then again, this bubu, I want to enjoy. And so, fall, take on first thing you get before you get a body is you get a subtle body. Mind, intelligence, and our dear friend. False ego. And then a body, and then, you know, try to enjoy. Because that enjoying tendency, unless it's connected with the enjoyment of Krishna, that's Krishna Bhakti, that's who we are. That's the, the nature of the soul. It's who we are. We're, we're meant for pleasing Krishna. We exist for the pleasure of Krishna. And if that's not accepted, then we're going to look for some other pleasure. So that there may be the pleasure of frustration. That's not really a pleasure. So what do you do when you're frustrated? You want to end it all. I mean, just a little discussion yesterday. Some, some number of you were attending the program. What do we do about negative emotion? One suggestion is just leave the place. Well, that doesn't work. Because the place isn't the problem. <laughs> it's the forgetfulness of the, the happiness of Krishna that's the problem. So leave the place and you take your mind with you and you find another unhappiness. Because the unhappiness is resting in the mind. And it's derived from the soul. The, the, the mind is just... What's the language of Prabhupada? Mind is the... Huh? Not besides mirror, there's another one. Yes, <clears throat> something like the extension of the mind, or the excuse me, the extension of the soul. I forget. It's really nice language. The counterpart of the soul, something like that. So it's just Ill, it's just indicating the frustration of the soul, because the real frustration is not the circumstances of life that hurt whether it's sense enjoyment didn't really turn out to be sense enjoyment or sense deprivation that really didn't turn out to be happiness either or happiness of Brahman or, you know, the whole shebang. The real happiness, the absence of that real happiness leads to searching for real happiness. You're not going to find it. So, back to the, the message here, Krishna is speaking to Uddhava about don't live like a worm where the, the happiness of enjoying the body finding the body as the place of enjoyment or the instrument of enjoyment worms do or in the message that Dhruva speaks even persons destined for hell they have those pleasures now, it turns out to be not really pleasure, but that's, you know, the hankering. So, before you even offer something like that, the answer is, no thanks. Prahlad simile, no thanks. I saw my, my father, he was at the top of the heap, and in a flash it was all gone. You took it away from him. So, 
been there, done that, no thanks. Now that's easier to say than it's hard to sustain. We all know. Knowledge, because that's what's being described here. It's knowledge and detachment, jnana and vairagya. The bhakti process, Lord Chaitanya taught, includes knowledge and detachment. Vairagya vidya nija bhakti yoga. So there, there's vairagya. That's what's being spoken of here by Krishna to Uddhava. Vairagya, detachment from sense enjoyment. Vairagya vidya. And knowledge helps support detachment, but it's not sufficient. Neither detachment nor knowledge alone are sufficient. Doesn't mean we trash them. Lord Chaitanya taught them. Vairagya vidya nija bhakti yoga nija means his own bhakti yoga devotional service to him that's Lord Chaitanya's message that's who he is it's what we're to receive from him so, so it, it and Krishna's doing it here with Uddhava his dear dear devotee Uddhava detachment is, is important but it's not sufficient so we don't trash it because it's not sufficient. We, we, we accept it because it's beneficial. And the, the, the language chosen by the translators here, this isn't Prabhupada's language, but uh, the mind's material propensity will slacken by that exercise of detachment. It doesn't go away impressions are there the mind is still as long as the mind is still there the impressions are still there mind is um, better than anything Microsoft has ever imagined of storage of data in, the, in its little processor and the impressions for the senses are there not just in this lifetime but so many lifetimes too many and they're there, and they're just waiting in storage to be prompted. And time, even if we don't go look at some object or something, you know, have contemplation of some object, the impression is stored, and time passes, and it prompts that storage bank, and then comes the thought in the mind. Have you ever had the experience that you're involved in something, maybe it's chanting, maybe it's whatever it is you're doing, and out of the blue comes this memory of something that, like, where'd that come from? We, we've all had... There's an impression, and maybe they're ones that, that, that are attractive or embarrassing or whatever it is, but the impressions are there, Tick, tick. So when you're a devotee, here's a little visual image. I've learned something. Visual images help me understand things. So 
picture being by a, a little pond of water. And you look out over the surface of the pond of the water, and from time to time you see a little bubble wiggling its way to the surface of the water. It sits there in the surface of the water and then boop. Wait a while. Over there, a little bubble wiggles its way to the surface of the water and sits on the surface of the water and then boop. So what was, what was all that about? There's something organic in the mud and it's decaying and it's releasing some kind of whatever it is, gas. And when it reaches a certain threshold, it pushes its way through the mud, wiggles its way to the surface of the water and merges with the air. That's what it is. Organic material decomposing, making some kind of gas, whatever the... So now, supposing you take a stick and swish the mud a bunch, and all kinds of bubbles come rising to the surface, because it's rather than waiting for it to happen, you're encouraging it to happen. Then take that image and go to a life of devotion to Krishna. And <clears throat> there's impressions within the mind that rather than waiting for the time energy to move those impressions in the mind to become actual desire, then if you're not a devotee and you have a desire, you contemplate the desire. And then you consider, maybe I should do that. And then, you know, contemplating the objects of the senses, we know the sequence. But you're a devotee, so you're doing the chanting Hare Krishna, and you're taking that stick and stirring the mud, and all kinds of desires come to the surface. You don't, ha you don't have to be freaked out when that happens. It's just it's past impressions, and you're moving the time energy in such a way that those impressions rise. You're like, gosh, where'd that come from? It came from past activity. And there's an impression stored in the mind. You don't have to act on it. You can act on it. You can be disturbed by it. You can run away from it. You can, you know, all kinds of choices. But you, according to Krishna's instructions, you tolerate. And this instruction here specifically is, don't engage the senses in sense objects for the purpose of enjoyment. That's the do not. The do is engage senses and sense object for the purpose of serving Krishna. Rupa Goswami has summarized this nicely uh, in these two verses that come from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And that is um, Palgo Vairagya and Yukta Vairagya. Palgo Vairagya is those things that are in relation to Hari, Hari Sambandha, Vastuna, Hari Sambandha, Vastuna. Vastu means like stuff. Things, objects. It can mean different things, but 
Hari, those things that have a, a relationship with Hari, to give them up, that's Falgavairagya. So that's not what's being spoken of here. But it's what some people do. They give up things that don't belong to them. That's not renunciation. That's false renunciation. So what do things belong to? Things belong to Hari. Hari Sambandha. So then you... Um, Anastaktasya Vishayan Yatarham Upayunjitaha Anastaktasya Vishayan Without attachment to Vishaya Vishayas used in Bhagavad Gita it's enjoying the objects the mood of being the enjoyer of the objects of the senses Vishaya Without attachment to Vishaya Yatarham upayunjita. You accept things, then this like very interesting word, according to suitability. According to suitability, that's pretty abstract. What's it, what's suitability, and what's not suitable? Well, it's going to be different for different individuals. What's suitable? That makes it more subtle. There's no like really clear defined line. Over here, on this side of the line, that's unsuitable. Or oh, on the other side, it's unsuitable and this is suitable. For each of us, at, at different stages of our spiritual progress, something is more suitable, something less suitable. What's, what's also a standard of what's suitable for accepting things is your capacity to not be thinking of yourself as the proprietor and enjoyer of that thing. But accepting according to your capacity to see a thing that's meant for Krishna's service. Well, gee, we don't always live our life that way. Let's, let's take getting married. Some people get married. Some people don't get married. Some people don't get married because they're like, I don't want, I don't want, uh, it looks horrible. So that's aversion. And then some get married because it's attraction. Being the enjoyer, being afraid of being the enjoyer. And so n neither of them are complete. So what's suitable? Well, according to your Krishna conscious level, <coughs> something may be suitable. And you work towards that which is suitable and you accept things and strive to dedicate them to the service of Krishna. For his pleasure. Yukta Vairagya. It, it's a... Um, using Srila Prabhupada's metaphor, it's like a razor. Now, now modern times there's safety razors but even with a safety razor you can cut yourself but before safety razors just the razor is a sharp instrument it's useful it can you can shave but if you're not attentive blood that's not what the razor is for making blood it's for shaving 
or another example is the, 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 the scalpel of a surgeon. It can be used for a good thing. And the scalpel of a surgeon can be used for a bad thing. Prabhupada told the story of one doctor who found his uh, a man was cheating with his wife and so he put him under chloroform and chopped him up with his surgical instrument. <clears throat> That's not the proper use of a scalpel. So everything has its proper use. And the senses have their proper use. We need training and practice. So the emphasis here is according to suitability or so the mind, the mind's material propensity, what's the material propensity? Seeing things separate from Krishna. That's the mind's material propensity. And then in the mind contemplating be the enjoyer of that which is seen separate from Krishna. So to check that tendency, there's some deliberate vairagya. And then there's some deliberate yukta. In the mood of yukta vairagya, we engage ourselves, we practice engaging ourselves in devotional service. And going forward a little bit, there's several other verses coming up where there's also no purport, but Krishna ends giving this story and then says to Uddhava, like the essence of the story, which is seek devotee association because in devotee association you can be bhakti-reminded. That's what we're doing right now. By hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, Krishna speaking to Uddhava in the association of devotees, we're being bhakti-reminded because the words of such message of Srimad Bhagavatam and the devotees who are striving to live according to the message of the Bhagavatam, it has potency to bring us to the bhakti principle and this detachment and knowledge. The real essence is not detachment, the real essence is not knowledge, the real essence is bhakti. And through the association of bhaktas, we can be reminded. So that's what Krishna is doing with Uddhava here. The 8.30 bell is ringing, so I'm going to end and see if there's any discussion. A little abrupt ending. Yes? Which one? Okay, the pond. Okay. Uh, while Chanting, you also mentioned the same thing that some of the past impressions come out. Um, some of the impressions that come out are like something like shame or guilt sometimes. And sometimes it's uh, the, the impressions are so familiar, um, it, it feels almost like um, my identity is already mixed with that impression and it feels so natural that it is part of me. So it becomes very challenging at that time to detach and see myself just as an observer. And it feels, oh, this, this is just me. And it, 
and the tendency is to like just go along with that impression so my question is how to during those uh, situations how to detach myself from those impressions gosh awaken your krishna consciousness that's that's a that's a good solution but you know so there's a process to get there and <clears throat> you know we hear chant and remember Krishna and the association of devotees and through purification those tendencies that you just described gradually just exactly as it says here gradually slacken they gradually diminish and so that seeing with detachment and identifying with who you really are instead of the impression that you aren't rises it's awakening of our dormant Krishna consciousness and that's the method Shravanukirtanam in the association of devotees like-minded persons who are pursuing sadhu sangha and doing with sadhus what sadhus do then anarjana vritti okay yes so, Guru Maharaj, um, as long as we are in sadhan bhakti, the impressions keep popping up, but will they be completely dissolved uh, in the lateral stages? You're making a statement or asking a question? I don't understand. Will they be completely dissolved? Like huh? the, uh, yes, it's it's it, that's what yes. There are stages before it dissolves, but the, in the mature stage, dissolved. Say it negatively. <clears throat> Why do we get a material mind? It's an, it's an instrument to help us be an enjoyer separate from Krishna. So we get covered by material mind, material intelligence, false ego, and then off we go. We get a body to match that configuration. And then another body and another body and on we go. So supposing the enjoying separate from Krishna propensity is taken away by awakening of our real propensity. You don't need a material body anymore. And if you don't need a material body anymore, you don't need a gross body anymore either. But that's, that's negation. That's what you don't need. What do you need? You need spiritual form to engage in s spiritual activities in relation to the supreme whole, Krishna. Swarupain of Yavastati. Can you stand and give her the microphone? So you said that it's true, our mind goes with us. Um, so it's really not always the best to leave or change a situation because your mind will go with you. Yeah. Uh, but are there times... And oh, that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 Let's take, you know, a standard one. If you're being abused, you don't stay. 
you leave. You, you, you would probably be interested in this. <coughs> um, the Grahas Division team wrote a book. The title of that book is Strengthening the, strengthening the Bonds That Free Us. Yeah. <coughs> right? So <coughs> um, I've been visiting China, as you know, and <coughs> because there isn't the Grahas Division team in China, as a sannyasi, I get all these Grahasta questions, and there's nobody to refer them to. It's frustrating. So I've been <coughs> jumping up and down, waving my arms, screaming sometimes, saying, please make an arrangement so that there's training in China for all this wonderful understanding that our Grahas Division team helps the sannyasis who travel in America be able to refer people to people who can help them with grahasta issues and then read the book. And before marriage, you know, premarital counseling and all that could help. <coughs> so, fast forward. The book has been translated into Chinese and then it was reviewed by the, the China Mission Council, that's you know, the foreign devotees that come, they call them, um, not foreign, some other nice euphemistic, uh, and, and the, the China leadership group. So they reviewed the book and they found something that was missing was something that's very common in China, that is ladies being married to men that aren't devotees. And there are stages, already married and then they become a devotee, contemplating being married, or they become a devotee and then they find out, you know, their, their husband goes a different direction. And it's, you know, so there's three stages. So they've been meeting, they, Radha Charan has been meeting with Krishna Nandini in Vrindavan because she's dealing with her cancer situation. And she wrote an addendum that says different things <clears throat> about that particular unique feature for China or anywhere because it's particularly prominent in China but supposing some lady devotee marries somebody that's not a devotee. What do you do? So interesting, I'm bringing that up because I didn't know this, <clears throat> but Krishna Nandini wrote in this addendum that Prabhupada's sister, Prashima, was married to somebody that was abusive. I mean, you know, not only, you know, didn't follow all the principles, but he was abusive. So, something like that. Uh, I'll, I'll look clo more closely because I didn't read it closely. But she's quoting Prabhupada having said, when my sister asked me what to do, I said, oh, you know what to do, you serve your husband. And sure enough, in course of time, the husband turned around. Now, 
doesn't always happen like that. We don't advise persons who are in an abusive relationship of any kind to stay in that abusive relationship. But it's 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 a it's an interesting point that's in that book that you know the the China leadership approves because um, well when you don't have a mature grass division team or person or persons then there's the immaturity thing that goes on the other side and that you know like give up your husband because you know he wants to eat meat so that kind of thing was has been going on to some extent and that's the kind of alarming because it's very prevalent so what do you do so then there's different instruction besides leave your husband so it, it, it's uh, are there your question was are there situations where one doesn't remain but one walks away yeah but then there's things you may try to do before you walk away depending on the nature supposing someone is abusing the children and it could be the wife or it could be the husband abusing and it can be different kinds of abuse so what do you do you know it's like hey it's okay I'm thinking of just stay in the situation and there's some things you just don't stay so, so rather than going through a list, you seek guidance from somebody that is wise and understands these situations and can help guide you and call the police. <laughs> In some cases, yeah. Yes, that's what this Pishima example is meant to say. Some cases, no, you know. Anyway, without refining, because it gets really subtle. So we we need qualified people to guide. They you know they need lots of training and they need like Krishna Shakti to be able to be empowered to know how to discriminate what's appropriate for the circumstance. So we need we need guides need like really capable guides. You know, maybe you're one of the fortunate few that don't have any problems. <laughs> Most people have some. So we need guidance. Anything else? Two questions, two hands up. Up front, right here, put your hand up again. Nandi Mukhi. Hare Krishna. Uh... It's not a question. I, I just have uh, some sharings. And uh, the first one, too. First one is? The first one is, um, what I, uh, this is referring to the comparison, the analogy we use in the class about the mind with, comparing the mind with Microsoft product. Okay. And I read in, a, in another place that, have a very similar analogy, but very interesting. He said, 
the past impressions that have been stored in a subtle body is like it's like we're doing online shopping. It's like what? We're doing online shopping. Online shopping? Yes. And when you buy one product and there are a huge list of recommendations for you and appeared. And that is compared to the uh, past impressions. And there is also a well-builded um, statistical models to figuring out what is the best recommendation for you, for you doing the next choice. And it's not always helpful. Uh, it's not always not helpful, but it can be destructive. And it's always not helpful. Uh, you've got a couple of negatives in there. So say it, say it again. It's always not helpful to do what? To help you be clear about what you want to purchase. Like help you. It's not always help you be focused on your purpose. What doesn't help? Online shopping? This Just review of the, of the impressions in the mind? Yeah. Because when you do one shopping, then according to how you have made the choice, according to different, different history of your shopping, and the online system make a recommendation for you. So you're, you're, I'm, I'm trying to capture what you're suggesting. Are you suggesting that listening to the mind's past impressions is like online shopping, and it doesn't really help you make the proper selection. It's like the online shopping system making a recommendation for you based on your past history of shopping. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So like the pop-ups that come, because if yeah. you, you buy, I buy airline yeah. tickets. Yeah. So all kinds of like, you know, this airlines, this airlines, that airlines, and it doesn't have anything to do with what your priorities are. Yeah. It's just like, waving their arms. And they're super fast. They're well-trained statistical models built in. Okay. And this is one. And another one is, um, what I read from the verse we cover today is, uh, Krishna is telling Uddhava, Uddhava. Krishna is telling Uddhava, yeah. That it is your responsibility to pacify the mind. It is or is not? It is. It is your responsibility to, to pacify, pacify the, mind. the mind. What a job assignment. The mind will never be pacified. That's not what he's saying. The mind will never be pacified. You can wind it down instead of putting fuel, more fuel on the fire, you can let the fuel that's on the fire burn out that's what's being said in the purport. Eventually, the, the, uh, the mind's contemplation will subside, will dwindle and subside. And that's notional because the, the mind keeps going. I was thinking as I was reading this purport, this story that Prabhupada would tell about one king who asked his minister when does sex desire go away? Does it, does it happen at the end of life? And the minister said, no, it's till the end. It, it, it continues to the very, very end. And the king said, I don't think so. 
He said, I'll show you. So some time passed and you know the story? You don't know the story. So the minister, without saying why, he said to the king, come with me. And because, you know, the relationship between the minister and the king was such, he didn't have to explain why. He said, bring your, bring your daughter, the princess, so that we're going to go see a dying man. So they went to see the dying man, and he said, watch the eyes of the dying man. And the man's, the dying man's eyes was upon the princess. So the king immediately understood. This is why he brought me here, to, to verify right up to the end. There is that attraction for the senses and the sense objects. It doesn't go away with, don't put any more fuel on it, or the end of life, just it stays. It's the tendency to be a separate enjoyer. And there's like favorite objects. And number one in the hit parade is attraction for being, enjoy, for being an enjoyer of sex. Number one in the hit parade. It's, it's like, so it doesn't go away just because you restrain the, the senses from the object. It stays with the soul until the subtle body is dissolved. Last question in the back, and then we're going to end. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Uh, my question is, uh, like, uh, with Krishna consciousness practice, one purifies his mind, and eventually it will be completely spiritualized in its fully matured stage. Uh, so that, That's the teaching. Now what about practice? Uh, yes, Maharaj. So, uh, the one dissolving of the mind happens only when he leaves the material body and going to the spiritual planet or uh, as soon as it completely spiritualized the material mind, immediately it will be dissolved even within the same body. Let's think of Rupa Goswami. Think about Rupa Goswami. Did Rupa Goswami have material desires? Did Prahlad Maharaj have material desires? Does that answer your question? One can be free from material desire and, and thus the material mind, objects are contemplated differently with the spiritual mind than with the material mind. So one can have spiritual contemplations, exclusively spiritual contemplations, even before the body is finished. Does that answer your question? Does it mean that the material mind is dissolved fully? I, I was not clear. The answer is yes. It doesn't require leaving the body to become free from material desire. Yes, Maharaj. Thank you. Srila Prabhupada Ki. Yeah.